little boy goes into a pet shop and he plops down 50 cents and he says, I'd like to buy a puppy, sir. Oh, that won't be. Time. So he calls the mother, and right after the mother comes in, here comes four puppies. And then at the very end of the line is probably a little kid And he says, That's the one I want to buy. And he says, I'll pay you 50 cents a week until I pay off $75. Oh, he says, You don't want that puppy. That puppy has no hip sockets. And that puppy is very, it's not going to be very good for a boy or He's not going to be, she's not going to be able to play and anything like that. Well, that little boy lifted up his legs because he had suffered with polio. He had braces on both his legs. He says, that puppy, puppy's perfect for me. You know, sometimes we think uh, looks can be deceiving when it comes to how we perceive the love of Christ. We're talking about uh, love this week as we were last week, but not um, to the same extent. Deuteronomy chapter 6 and I'm going to read a few verses um, in chapter number 6. And uh, notice verse number 4. Hear, O Israel. Let's see. Josh, would you run and grab my glasses? I set them down. I always set them down when I need them most. Let's see if I can read it. Hear, O Israel. The Lord our Lord is one, uh, the Lord our God is one Lord. And thou shalt love the Lord thy God with all thy heart, with all thy soul, and with all thy might. And these words which I command thee this day shall be in thine heart. And um, when you think about loving the Lord, what does it mean to love the Lord? I mean, we, we say we love the Lord. We talk about loving the Lord. We preach about loving the Lord. And... Um, what does it mean to love the Lord? Well, we're going to get into that in just a little bit. Uh, I've got some other verses, and eventually I'm going to put the verses up there on the screen. Not that you're lazy or anything, but uh, we want you to be able to follow along. And uh, but these verses tonight, uh, we're going to we're going to just look at Deuteronomy for a little while. Uh, let's pray again, Father. We do thank you for this portion of Scripture. We thank you for the blessings you send our way. And Lord, we thank you that you first loved us. In Jesus' name we pray, amen. Um, question, how many of you have ever been in love? At least once. Never been in love? <laughs> At least once? Uh, I remember there was, there was a girl a long time ago, and uh, I, I was preteen. I mean, it was a long time ago. Every day... I would buy her certs. I'd buy her Tic Tacs. I'd buy her mints or some sort. And one day she said, are you trying to give me a hint? I mean, I didn't know. I was just trying to be nice. And that's all I remember. And um, that relationship didn't work out. So uh, that was just a long time ago. We were just kids. But you know, when you're in love, you want to do something with what you know to be love in for the other person you want to be uh, you want to shine you want to spend time with them you want to 
be with them every waking moment. And, um, you know, you say, well, that will wear off. No, it won't if you're still in love. Uh, because love is not something that is casual. It doesn't go away uh, because of circumstances. And so uh, many crazy things have been done in the name of love. Many heroic things have been done in the name of love. Many incredible things have been done in the name of love. Now, again, I ask the question, how do you prove your love to someone? I mean, honestly, how do you prove? You can say it all you want. You can tell people uh, or tell somebody that you love them, but until you show the love, they don't believe you. And so according to our Lord Jesus Christ, the one thing that causes us to backslide is when we lose our first love. Revelation talks about that, and uh, he says, I have somewhat against you. Uh, you know, one of the churches out of the seven churches that he was preaching to, uh, they had lost their first love. They were doing everything right, but they were doing it out of obligation. They were doing it because they had to. Um, how do we know that we're really in love with the Lord? I mean, that's the question. Uh, John chapter 14, verse 15 says, If ye love me, what's the rest of the verse say? Keep my commandments. Keep my commandments. Uh, chapter 14 again of John in verse 23. Jesus answered and said unto him, If a man love me, he will keep my words. And my Father will love him, and we will come unto him, and make our abode with him. He that loveth me not, keepeth not my sayings. And the word which ye hear is not mine, but the Father's which sent me. Then down in verse number 31, he says, But the world but that the world may know that I love the Father, and as the Father gave me commandment, even so I do. Arise, let us go hence. So I believe the first indication or proof of our love uh, to God is our obedience to His commandments. And um, how many commandments are there? Oh, just ten, right? Just the ten commandments, that's all there is. Oh, no, it's, it's at least 365. There's a lot of commandments in the Word of God. There's a lot of things in the Word of God that if you love me, you're going to abide by His words. Uh, most of the time, we can't even quote all ten commandments. We, we can barely quote five. And uh, we barely keep one. Why? Because, well, you know, we got them up here, but we don't have them down here. And so, as a result, uh, we talk about revival uh, happening, uh, happening during the time of Nehemiah. Uh, why did a revival happen during the time of Nehemiah? Nehemiah had a burden. Nehemiah saw something. He, he felt that God wanted him to do something great. And his love for the Lord was because he loved the commandments of the Lord. In Nehemiah chapter 10, verse 29... They clave to their brethren, their nobles. They entered into a curse and into an oath to walk in God's law, which was given by Moses, the servant of God, and to observe and do all the commandments of the Lord our God, uh, of the Lord our Lord, and his judgments and his statutes. Now, if you look in the dictionary, there are six different definitions for observe. Now, when we observe something, uh, the dictionary says, number one, to adhere to. 
like a law, custom, something like that. The second definition is to celebrate, observe a holiday. Third is to notice, to pay special attention to something. Uh, fourth is to arrive at a conclusion, to say casually, number five, a remark, to examine scientifically, ob observation. Of the six definitions that we've read, to adhere to is God's way of, divine, uh, of defining what it means to observe. Observe. When we observe God's law, how do we observe it? How do we observe what God wants us to do? We read his word. We apply it to our lives. We try to. We try to live by his word. If you love me, keep my commandments. How, how do we know what his commandments are if we've never read his word? Well, we can put it on a poster. We can ask some spiritual people. But if we don't know his word, we don't know him. Thy word is truth. Right? And that's what we need to know is truth. And so the Bible is God's word. That's, that's where we have our resting place. That's our foundation for what we believe. It should be. Live it. Uh, learn it. Love it. Live it. And I think that's a, a key to knowing the Bible. Uh, obey or keep his commandments. So what's the secret behind Joshua's success? He started off in the beginning. He was a very fearful person. Joshua chapter 1. I've said many times about how God told him, be strong and of a good courage. Be not afraid. How many of us have ever been afraid? I, I think of uh, Texas right now. Some of They have no water, no electricity, uh, no heat, and it's below freezing. And uh, that, that's a little scary. Uh, it's a little frightening for some people if they've never been in that situation. Um, and they're... The Bible says in Joshua 1.8, This book of the law shall not depart out of thy mouth, but thou shalt meditate therein day and night, that thou mayest observe to do according to all that's written therein. For then thou shalt make thy way prosperous, and then thou shalt have good success. There's a process. If you want good success, you've got to do it God's way. If you want to have worldly success, then leave God out of it. Because worldly success doesn't equal godliness. And this world may have a lot of money and a lot of possessions and a lot of things and fame and notoriety, but without God, what shall it profit a man if he shall gain the whole world and lose his own soul? And uh, Joshua, uh, not this meditation of mm, transcendental meditation or anything like that. Meditation is only a tool, a means to an end. See, we meditate on God's word. Why? We mull it over and over, just like a compost pile. We're mulling over God's Word all day long. When we read it, we mull it over. Why? Because we get something out of it. We read John 3.16 over and over again, or we memorize it, or we quote it. But as we read and meditate on it, what does it really mean? What's it mean to me? What is God trying to tell me through His Word? And meditation... Uh, if we meditate all day long, we can meditate on certain things and still miss the meaning because we meditate on the wrong thing. And the devil doesn't want us to meditate on God's Word, I'll tell you right now. And we're careful to do all that's written in the Word of God. That's when the real success comes. And so if you love the Lord, you're going to hate 
evil. And uh, Psalm 97, verse 10, Ye that love the Lord hate evil. He preserveth the souls of his saints. He delivereth them out of the hand of the wicked. That's a good verse to know. It's a good verse to highlight. Good verse to memorize. Ye that love the Lord. Oh, I love the Lord. Well, you hate evil. What's the definition of evil? Well, it's not evil people. If it's got skin, it's not my enemy. Although there are some wicked people in the world. But it, the world, the flesh, and the devil. Wickedness in this world are a result of sin and sin will take you further than you want to go keep you longer than you wanted to stay and cost you more than you thought it would always the devil says ah oh, what's a big deal what's a big deal and it cost Adam and Eve a home a perfect home in the Garden of Eden it cost them uh, something that they never had to that they never had to really work work was joy work was uh, enjoyable naming the animals that sounds like fun uh, tending the garden. That sounds like fun. But now, God gave the ground a curse. Satan, he gave a curse. And to the woman, he cursed uh, in childbirth. And if you've ever had a child, I, I, I never compare any pain I've ever had to a lady having a child. It's just like having a baby. No, it's not. I've uh, been there four times, and it's nothing like that. Um, my wife was in a lot of pain, as you ladies who have had children will attest. That is something painful, and men can't understand that. And it uh, doesn't matter how big the splinter is in their foot or how big the, uh, the problem is. And when, when we see that God blessed because of obedience, and then there came a curse because of disobedience, why wouldn't we want to obey? Why wouldn't we want to stay close to the Lord? And, um, you know, if you love the Lord, you'll hate evil. Matthew 6, 24. No man can serve two masters. For either he will hate the one and love the other, or else he will hold to the one and despise the other. You cannot serve God and mammon. I use the quote. It's, it's not original with me, but women flee from sin, but men crawl away from it in the joyful hopes that it will soon overtake them. And sometimes uh, we got to get away from, we don't put ourselves in a situation where uh, we're prone to fall into sin or make sinful choices. Well, I'm, I'm just going to, it's like putting chocolate cake out on the table and I, I'm not going to have any. Just having a birthday, I just know. Having chocolate cake around is not safe. So what did I do? I put it in the trash. It's gone. It's done. No more temptation. It wasn't the whole cake. The rest of it. Now, I like, I like um, stale cake with a little bit of milk on it. It's delicious. It's wonderful. I've always done that. I don't know why, but this is it's a new day. Change some, change some things. The holidays are over. Valentine's Day is over. We're going in a new direction, so goodbye cake. Sometimes what we do is we put it within our arm's reach. Well, I'll get rid of it another time. That's how we do with sin. Well, it's not that bad. You know, we, Carter knows where the cookies are. We don't have to tell him. He comes and grabs our hand, and he comes right to the 
right to the cookie jars. Right, to, well, we don't have jars, they're bags. Bags of cookies and bags of snacks. He knows where they are. They're all out, all of them. And, um, you know, when it comes to uh, things that we can't mix, uh, water and oil don't mix. Alcohol and driving, it doesn't mix. In the spiritual realm, loving God and then living in sin at the same time, it doesn't mix. Just as darkness and light will also not mix. 1 John chapter 1, verse 5, This then is the message which we have heard of him, and declare we unto you that God is light, and in him is no darkness at all. If we say that we have fellowship with him and walk in darkness, we lie and do not the truth. But if we walk in the light, as he is in the light, we have fellowship one with another, and the blood of Jesus Christ, his son, cleanses us from all sin. Anybody who tells you that Jesus was a sinner doesn't know their Bible. Jesus bore our sins upon him, took our sins upon him. They were nailed to the cross. And uh, Jesus never, he didn't die for his own sins. He never had sins. I heard someone tell me that one time, Jesus died for his own sins. No, no, he didn't. You don't know what you're talking about. Why? Jesus was the perfect Lamb of God, the perfect sinless one, the one who could save us. He's the only one that could save us. And so when we get saved, God calls us out of darkness into his light. Didn't we just hear a song like that, uh, I think, last Sunday? Um, 1 Peter 2.9 says, But ye are a chosen generation, a royal priesthood, a holy nation, a peculiar people, that ye should show forth the praises of him who hath called you out of darkness into his marvelous light. You know, we're supposed to be children of light supposed to be. Does that mean we always are? Mm, we don't act like it sometimes. We get caught up in a little bit of darkness. And um, darkness never overshadows light. You don't see, wow, look, I got a light shadow. No, you always have a dark shadow. When sun hits you and your shadow is uh, projected onto the sidewalk or into the ground, it, it's dark, isn't it? Darkness never overshadows light. Think about that. As a Christian, darkness cannot overshadow uh, unless God gives permission for that darkness to bother you, like Job or like us. We're a royal priesthood, a chosen generation, holy nation, peculiar people. Now, I like what he says. He includes everybody. Peculiar means, in my mind, strange but it's not that kind of peculiar. Because we're all peculiar in our own ways, aren't we? We have our own idiosyncrasies. We have our own, our own way of doing things, our own way of cooking, if you will. We have our own way of living our life and doing certain things, um, driving. We have our own little idiosyncrasies. We're peculiar people. We're different. We're not strange in the sense of, oh, they're strange, all right. No, no, we're peculiar in the sense that we're different from the world. Why does the Bible say, come out from among them and be separate, saith the Lord? Touch not the unclean thing. Come out from among them. What happened to Lot? What do we know about Lot? What did he do? Well, he kept pitching his tent a little bit closer to Sodom and Gomorrah. 
little bit closer, a little bit closer. Every time he opened the tent doors in the morning, there's Sodom and Gomorrah. And he says, I want to live there. Why did that happen? Did it have to happen? No. It was a choice. It was a choice. And so he chose to get closer and closer and closer pretty soon. He's a leader in that ungodly city. And boy, sin will take you further than you want to go. And it cost him his wife. It cost him his daughters. Uh, the Moabites came about because of incest with Lot. Oh, it's just a terrible thing when you think about how things turned out. But it didn't have to be that way. At the beginning, Abraham said, Hey, listen, our herdsmen are striving together. Let's, can't we all just get along? He says, you choose one way, I'll choose the other. If you choose that way, I'll go the other way. He gave him the opportunity to go the right direction. But he chose, hey, you know what? The devil will always make it seem like it's better over here in the well-watered plains, in the better uh, in the city where he went. And God knows what's, what we're capable of. When we're saved, he calls us out of darkness. 1 Thessalonians 5, 5. Ye are the children of light. Talking about Christians and the children of the day. We are not of the night nor of darkness. And so, what does light produce? Life. Life. Your plants this spring are going to need a lot of light in order for them to bloom. And we're anticipating a great garden, right, Addie? We hope so. And um, we, some of the seeds that we got one year were, uh, they were marked one thing and there was something else in them. We didn't plant this much corn. It's supposed to be green beans. And so the Bible says you'll know them by their fruit, not by their fruitiness. And there's a lot of fruitiness out there. And so light produces life. Oh, by the way, it produces growth. Light does. And beauty. We talk about the beauty of the Lord. Um, the glory of the Lord. And um, we can't exist. Light and darkness cannot exist in the same place. If we, as Christians, are walking in the light, darkness has to go. Darkness has to flee. And so if we're holding on to sin, uh, then guess what? Light goes. I have these dimmer switches in the house. And uh, you, if you put LED bulbs in them, it doesn't dim. Why? So you get a sliding dimmer switch, and it's all the way up, and it's as bright as it's going to get. And then you put it all the way down, it's as bright as it's going to get. And so, uh, you know, light uh, makes things in the dark flee you know why do you think in bars now I've only been in bars when I was a little kid one time went to the ice house because I was so thirsty in Blackstone riding my bicycle and got some water there with some friends of ours and um, but why I said why don't they turn the lights on in here well they don't turn the lights on because you'll see the bugs and the Bible talks about something like this they behold strange women. They behold strange things in the dark. And uh, people that were normally not really attractive in the dark are very attractive. Strange. And, um, 
but when the light comes on, ooh, oh my goodness, that's not as attractive as I thought it was. Uh, but you know, Romans 12, 9 says, let love be without dissimulation, abhor that which is evil, and cleave to that which is good. In other words, abhor, and then cleave. Um, abhor that which is evil, and uh, we, must to, we must choose to hate evil. It must be accompanied by doing good. It's just like resist the devil and he'll flee from it, but you've got to draw nigh to God. You can't resist the devil in your own strength. You have to do it in God's strength. Resist the devil and he will flee from you. Draw nigh to God and he'll draw nigh to you. But at the same token, if we don't resist the devil, we can't draw nigh to God. It's like, can you love the world and, mammon, uh, and God at the same time? It's going to rip you apart. And so if you love the Lord, you'll also love the brethren. First John chapter 4, verse 20. If a man say, I love God and hate his brother, he is a liar. Nobody likes to be a liar. Nobody likes to be called a liar. You ever been called a liar? You liar. What's Revelation what? 21.8, sing the song. Burn, 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 burn. Liars burn in hell. I know you couldn't hear that. <laughs> you have to be in church. If you're watching online, you have to be here. Sorry. But the Bible talks about liars shall not inherit the kingdom of God. They, you know, you can't say, oh, yes, I love God and hate the brethren. You can't say, how can you, the idea is, how can you love someone whom you have not seen and hate somebody who you do see? And um, that's, that's what that verse says. Uh, and this is the commandment that we have from him, that he who loveth God, love his brother also. And then first uh, John chapter 13, not first John, but John 13, verse 34, he says a new commandment. Now, I, I think this is interesting. John writing, the Lord talking about the Lord, he says, a new commandment I give, give unto you, that ye love one another. This should be an automatic thing. We talked about 1 Corinthians 13 last Sunday. Uh, but when you get saved, you begin to say, wow, the Holy Spirit it wants me to like other people. It wants me to love the brethren. He says, this is a new commandment, guys, that I give you, the disciples he's talking to, that ye love one another. Why? They weren't getting along. As I have loved you, that ye also love one another. By this, by what? Your love for the brethren, your love for one another. Shall all men know that ye are my disciples if ye have love one to another. Now, it's not the worldly kind of love. When we see the word love, we think, oh, yeah, it's sappy. It's, it's gross. It's immoral. No, 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 no. The love of the brethren, bearing one another's burdens, that's what we do. Why? Because we love one another. Helping one another. Praying for one another. Why? Because we love each other. It's not a... A grotesque thing. It's something that we do because we care. I, I stopped today. I was driving down the street today on uh, Diamond Hill Road, and there's a guy struggling with two bags from Price Right. And I says, I gotta go. I gotta go. I'm at the at the at the light, and I says, I don't want to. I don't want to. I, I'm busy. I got some things to do. 
kept impressing upon me, impressing on me. Okay, I'm turning around, Lord. I turned around, got up next to him, put my flashes on, and said, hey, couldn't hit the right button, rolled down the back window. I said, hey, you need a ride? No, I'm all set. Okay, Lord, I tried. Okay, have a good day. And I just drove on. I said, boy, I felt bad. He says, I'm almost home. No, he wasn't. He was around the block from his home because I gave him a ride before. And, um, you know, the Lord impresses upon us to exhibit Christ-like love. And when we do that, we're showing him favor. We're showing him glory. We're showing him that we care about people. Uh, Romans 12, verse 9, let love be without dissimulation. We've already read this. Abhor that which is evil, cleave to that which is good. Then my children's favorite verse, be kindly affection one to another with brotherly love in honor preferring one another, not slothful in business, fervent in spirit, serving the Lord, rejoicing in hope, patient in tribulation, continuing instant in prayer, distributing to the necessity of the saints, given to hospitality, bless them which persecute you. It doesn't mean, oh, I'm going to bless you. No, 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 no. Bless them that persecute you. Bless and curse not. Rejoice with them that do rejoice. Weep with them that weep. Be of the same mind one to another, one toward another. Mind not high things, but condescend to men of low estate. Be not wise in your own conceits. And so uh, fellowship or Christian fellowship is more than pat on the back and I'll pray for you and a handshake no we get involved we can't help it why I didn't mention it Sunday but um, the love of Christ what does it do it constrains us it pulls us to help though the unlovable to help the ones that are helpless and to help those that are in need and, um, you know, we can't help but help others. Uh, it means sharing the burdens as well as the blessings of others. So we grow together. What's our purpose? What's man's chief purpose in life? To glorify God. That's your main purpose. Not to glorify yourself. Hey, look, look what a good guy I am. I offered to help this guy and he, didn't, he rejected me. No, my goal is to pray for him. My goal is to help him. Uh, and if we if we refuse to listen to the Holy Spirit, it, it's it's my job to obey. It's our job to obey. But if I refuse to listen to the Holy Spirit, then you know what? I, I kind of squelch him out, and I quench the Holy Spirit. I squelch him out, and pretty soon I won't be listening to the Holy Spirit anymore. If I do that enough, and our conscience will be seared with a hot iron, and we're past feeling, we won't even we won't even want to do the things of God. Christians can't get along with one another. How can they ever face their enemies? A humble attitude and a willingness to share are the marks of true Christianity who minister in the body of Christ. And so Jesus was saying to Peter when he said, Peter, lovest thou me? We use this a lot. Oh, of course I do. I got the phileo love. I got the brotherly love. Like Philadelphia, city of brotherly love. He said, feed my sheep. What have you done for your, uh, with your love to a brother or sister in need? 
there's a proof of our love is our love for the lost. Do we pray for the lost? Do we care about the lost? Do we talk to the lost? We're, we're, the, these times are changing fast. Every day it changes. The mask regulations, the, the regulation, oh, things are coming down. Everything's coming down. All the statistics are coming down. Oh, wow, is that amazing? No, they've changed, they've changed some things. Well, I, I want to tell people about Jesus. I want to preach the gospel. I want, to, I want people to know that there is a lighthouse in Cumberland. Because if we don't, this could be just like another building with, who knows, another kind of business in it. It's perfect size, 11,000 square feet. They can make a nice business out of this, but it's not what it's designed for. It's designed to preach the gospel. And um, we have to have love for the lost. Uh, I, I say it this way. We have to love the unlovable. There are some that we'll never love in this life. We'll like and we'll try to love them. But Jesus loved the unlovable. You think about that. Jesus loved people that nobody else liked. People with diseases, like COVID. Well, it was worse than COVID. It was leprosy. He touched them. The Bible says he was touched with the feeling of our infirmities, with the feeling that we have, the difficulties that we face. And he was moved with compassion towards the people. When we hear of him moved with compassion... We look at people and we say, boy, they're in a bad situation. I'm glad I'm not them. Or we can say, Lord, help them. Help me to be a blessing to them. Help them come to know Christ because of, my, uh, because of our testimony. And so we're not willing that anyone, oh, well, Jesus said he's not willing that anyone should perish, but that all should come to repentance. Isn't that what the Bible says? Yes, that's what it says. And so when we see people that are that are confused or not stable in a lot of different ways, boy, Jesus is what they need. Jesus is the cure for whatever ails mankind, especially the sin, the sin problem. So as we go back to Deuteronomy, I just want to recap a little bit. I didn't get to all the verses, but the ones that are important. Verse number 8, Thou shalt bind them for a sign upon thy hand, they shall be as frontlets between thine eyes, and thou shalt write them upon the posts of thy house and on thy gates. In other words, we're to memorize, we're to, we're to meditate, we're to think about them, and we're to apply them in our own walk with the Lord. Why? Is that important? Yeah, let the words of my mouth and the meditation of my heart be acceptable in thy sight, O Lord, my strength and my Redeemer. Because if we don't meditate on them and we don't dwell on them, guess what? We're going to dwell on everything else except. It's easy to get caught up in Facebook wars. It's easy to get caught up in things that don't really matter. Although it seems upsetting at this time, but God's in control. God is still in control in the midst of a situation where we think we're like Daniel in the lion's den or the Hebrew children or Peter being, you know, uh, persecuted, thrown in prison. Well, wait a minute. God's still on his throne. God's right where he's always been. And what he wants us to do is love the brethren, love him first and foremost, and then love the lost. Love the lost. Father, we do thank you for your goodness tonight. 
We ask you to meet with us as we pray and bear our burdens with one another. And Lord, help us to have the love of Christ in our life and exhibit the kind of love that expels darkness. Thank you for loving us in the condition that we were and saving our never-dying soul. Lord, just meet with us tonight in Jesus' name. spend a little time in prayer. Maybe you've got a prayer request tonight. Linda?